Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Thank you New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 902 here on SENZ Marina to uh, all of you around New Zealand uh, this morning and I hope you're having a, a good Wednesday. Uh, we intend to have one in the next three hours actually and we're going to begin it with uh, Ben Sigmund, one of the great guys of New Zealand football, former worldwide of course with the news coming through that yes, uh, New Zealand are going to play Australia at football for the first time in what, over 10 years? Amazing how that hasn't happened but uh, Ben Sigmund will be pretty happy, big advocate of that a few years back so we'll get his thoughts on that. Uh, just after 9.30 this morning our caller of the day window will be open 0800 150811 is that number, uh, $50 Chemist Warehouse gift card uh, is available to the successful caller there, we'll adjudge that. Uh, here look, uh, we might as well set it up now, uh, to be fair it's got to be about the Warriors doesn't it, um, uh, we'll open the lines about the Warriors and, and have a crack too, uh, as far as I'm concerned uh, what will Stacey Jones bring that's been missing? Uh, that could be one uh, particular subject. What about long-term coaches? Long-term coaches, how hard should we look? Should we look further on Australia? Should we go back to England, to the glory days where we got them out of England? Or maybe somewhere else. Uh, just see if there's uh, a suggestion for you that, uh, that they are your initial thoughts anyway for the call after 9.30. Uh, just after 10 o'clock, we did hope to have someone from the Black Ferns, uh, but that uh, hasn't eventuated. They've changed their media window this morning, so uh, we shall... Uh, focusing on um, Fight for Life, uh, the undercard is going to be announced just after 10 o'clock this morning, so uh, we shall uh, talk to, uh, well we won't talk to anyone actually, we'll just listen um, uh, to what that is. Stacey Jones uh, had a presser yesterday, we'll, uh, we'll uh, get some comments from him. Uh, and the White Fern squad for the Commonwealth Games is uh, also announced at 10 o'clock this morning. So uh, we'll get that read out to you as well. So just after 10 o'clock, it's a live naming, I suppose you'd call it. 10.25, we have uh, a panel, Andrew Gordy and Guy Havelt this morning. Uh, and then after 11 o'clock, the brand new, spanking new White Ferns coach, Ben Sawyer, who's just taken up the reins. Uh, how's it started out for him? Interesting. Stumps are around 11.30 as well. So plenty, plenty to keep us going, plenty for you to talk about and text to someone 8833. Let's begin. <laughs> Well, 
It's been over 10 years, believe it or not, since the All Whites last played the Aussie Socceroos. 2011 at the Adelaide Oval, what a beautiful ground that is, where Australia won that match 3-0, but since then our pars and men's football have largely split split with our neighbours. Across the ditch, aside from the A-League competition, they moved to the Asian Confederation while New Zealand we stayed in Oceania. But yesterday we got the amazing news that the All Whites and Socceroos would play a two-match series later this year, including an epic at Eden Park on September 25. That's just the day after the All Blacks take on the Wallabies at the same venue. What a doubleheader that is. So joining us here on SNZ Mornings to talk about it is a member of that 2011 All White squad, a legend of New Zealand football, long and distinguished career, 76 games from Christchurch United beginning at the age of 17, 181 for the Phoenix, 31 as an All White as well. Good morning to a very good friend of the show, Ben Sigmund. How are you, Ben? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, no, no problem at all. Ben, uh, listen, uh, you've been an advocate of this match-up for a long, long time. You must be quite pleased to see Australia v New Zealand in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, we, we, we've been trying to do it for years and we, we just felt that it was such a big thing and a big rivalry, New Zealand and Australia, and rugby do it well, the league do it well, netball do it well, and football we're trying, we're trying to do it but never got it over the line. So it's great news, really excited by it. Okay, so uh, even though it, uh, they're basically just friendlies at this stage, um, uh, what about the prospect of it being an ongoing thing? Is it just too damned hard, being to find a window to get uh, anything like full-strength sides together? I think the biggest challenge was from the Australian side. New Zealand always wanted to do it, but Australia, because they're in Asia, always wanted to play in the Asian competition and with the against the Asian teams. So I think to get it over, I think the biggest drawstring now is that Australia are brought into it, and if they want to carry on doing it, then I know New Zealand will love to. So I think it's it's really Australia that drive it. And as I said, the biggest thing for us was that rivalry in sport for New Zealand and Australia is massive, and you can create a a trophy for it, and everyone will love it. You know, it does, it's like the league; they they create trophies, um, and it's, it it becomes a bigger thing and everyone buys into it and before you know it you've got people wanting and looking forward to it every year yeah you're right there and because every time new zealand plays australia at anything basically people do buy into it so to be starved of it for 10 years uh, i would imagine would create a great deal of interest well, it, well i remember playing them we played them i think it was in melbourne from memory and it was just like we just hated each other and it was there was tackles flying in there was no one wanted to lose. You got up for it, and it, ours was a friendly as well. And I, you know, and I, I just remember just there was guys going off with you know injuries because it was just meant so much to you, and no one wanted to lose to them, and they didn't want to lose to us, and so it creates the hype straight away. And as soon as fans start seeing that, that's when everyone's into it because you see the players are into it, so then the fans get into it. What about? The lure of just beating Australia from a football point of view. We know what it's like in, in cricket, rugby, netball, as you've talked about, a lot of other sports. But uh, the lure, because it's such a rare encounter, the lure, the the excitement about beating Australia at football. Yeah, and, and it, it's hard for us as well because, you know, little old New Zealand, it's grown a hell of a lot, since, you know, even since 2010 from the World Cup days, the you know, the football's growing massively. There's a lot more players from New Zealand overseas playing professionally. You know, you've got the players in the A-League 
you know, so we've got we've got good players now to create a good New Zealand team, and it'll it'll be competitive against Australia. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's what both teams want. They want a competitive game, and um, everyone to come out and enjoy it. To be honest, yeah, bonanza, wouldn't it? All Blacks, Wallabies, uh, all Whites, and uh, Socceroos. What what a weekend! Well, why not? Like, it's it is it is a great weekend, and and football. You know, is is growing massively. They've got more and more people wanting to go and watch them. You know, so we love watching the All Blacks. Everyone knows that. But to have tail on a game of football at the end, you know, double header. I'm sure most people will want to go watch a game of rugby and football. I would imagine they would, mate. And taking it to uh, the biggest stadium in the country, I think, uh, just opens up a, a few more doors for a lot of people. So uh, let's uh, look at this uh, Socceroo side. As it speaks, as we speak about them now, they won 2-1 this morning over the UAE, which means they're in the same boat as us. they got a one-off game uh, to qualify for the World Cup. Theirs is against Peru. Uh, what have you made of the Socceroos uh, of late? Yeah, the, it's been interesting because... It, it's sort of taken quite a while for them to kind of to get to the World Cup, and they've been there on a number of occasions, and they'll want to get back. They've got a lot of players coming through the A League now, obviously, but you know, a lot, still a lot of their players are based in Europe and playing in, in top leagues, so they've got a massive chance. Um, you know, the, it's, the the problem is, is well, one-off games. You just never know what's going to happen. And I think New Zealand's got the same opportunity. It's one game. Uh, it's it's in a, in a sort of neutral venue, so it could go either way. Both <laughs> two good teams. We saw Peru the other day um, against uh, the All Whites, uh, knocking the All Whites over one uh, 0 Pretty close encounter there. So uh, the All Whites in Costa Rica uh, next Wednesday morning, our time. Uh, biggest game of football since the one you played in uh, way back against Bahrain, mate. Yeah, yeah, and. That was certainly the highlight of my career and, you know, you will never forget that game. So I'm sure these players will know exactly the same feeling. They've still got Chris Wood from those days. Um, Winston Reid didn't play the playoff, but he's been there for a long time now. So there's, there's players still in that camp that have, have been, you know, through that whole cycle. And to actually qualify for me was, was probably bigger than actually being at the World Cup. It was just the biggest buzz ever. So... You know they'll want to definitely get there again. It's, it's it'll be a massive achievement for everyone. How do you rate their chances uh, against Costa Rica? What what do you make of this current Danny Hayes side? Technically, they'd be. I was saying to someone the other day. Technically, this all white team will be much uh, more technical than our our team in two thousand and you know, twenty ten. We. The only thing you probably go is, have they got the ticker? Have they got that kind of drive? You know, when it gets tough, can they dig deep? You know, when they don't want to get back, you know, just trying to defend or, you know, like those little things. You know, mentally, we were tough. We had, a, you know, Ryan Nelson was a great leader. You know, Winston Reid, uh, Chris Wood are going to have to lead that team really, really well. And, um, you know, I, I think that they, you know, they've got every chance. I, the one-off games are so different in football because you can get a goal and you, know, you can hold on sometimes. Mm. You know, so you just never know. You never know if they start well, get an early goal, it'll put a lot of pressure on them. And they, the, the the trouble is with you know Peru, Costa Rica, all those South American teams. When they get their tails up, they're very very good and they're hard to beat. But when you get on top of them, they also crumble as well. So. I think the first 20 minutes will be the one where they've got to get on top and, and make you know stamp their mark. 
What about defensively? As you look at the the, the kind of squad or the kind of lineup, Danny Hay might uh, come up with there. I mean, there is there is some experience there in Winston Reid. The likes of Tommy Smith been around for quite some time. Uh, I, I just wonder about that and, and the the custodian, the goalkeeper. What do you see as the mix for for this one off game? Well, Winston Reid's looking as though he's fit, which is good because he hasn't he hasn't actually had a club that he's been with for a while so he's pretty much had to get fit on his own and I'm sure he's done a good job so it looks as though he is fit and I think that was probably one of the biggest concerns if if they didn't have him I think they would have been a little bit light at the back so it's great to see him in there Um, I see Ollie Sale played in goal Mm. he's been outstanding for the Phoenix and he's been you know I'd say they'll pick him again and you know they said he made a little mistake you know for the goal just, just this week but you know, I, I'm sure in the bigger games, and he, you know, you'll make a little mistake. But I, I just, I just think he'll learn from that mistake. So I, I think he'll be fine at the back. Um, Chris Wood will be having to lead really well up front because he's been around a long time, and they said he's got a few little niggles at the moment. But he'll have to dust that off, and and he'll have to just lead from the front, which will be massive for him because. Um, you know, it's probably his last opportunity to go to another World Cup, and he'll have that in the back of his mind as well. Costa Rica's style of football, what do we know about that, Ben? Well, they're very technical, very, very technical. So they'll, they'll have they'll have big possessions of, of the game, and, and I think Danny Hay will know that they'll probably have to work at a system where they might not have the ball for long periods of time, and they'll have to soak up a lot of pressure. Uh, so, you know, th- th- there's just no question that, that they will probably have I would say at least 60 to 65 percent of the game in terms of having the ball. So, you know, we'll have to be very defensively set up, but then also we'll have to break and and get on get them on the counter a lot too. So, um, you know, how Danny Hay sets that up, I don't know, but you know, Costa Rica, Peru, all those, as I said, those South American teams, technically very good. So, you know, there's no questions that there'll be it's going to be a tough game. As a footballer, I mean, you, you mentioned before uh, qualifying against Bahrain was probably as good as going to the tournament itself, but is that, this the ultimate for a footballer? Is, is that because it, it's a one-in-four opportunity, one-every-four-years opportunity, there's all sorts of build-up towards going to it. Is, is this the ultimate in football to go to a World Cup or, or a successful um, and profitable club career? Is that perhaps more rewarding? A really, a really good question. Really good question. So, as an all white, it is definitely the biggest financial thing that they'll probably ever get, because you only get a daily wage as when you when you join the all whites. So, back in back in my day, I say um, we were like I think we were getting about seventy or eighty dollars a day. There was no win bonuses. There was no there was no um, you know like even just a um, being in the team bonus it was just $80 a day and that was it so so the World Cup is financially a big burden for all these players you know so they'll absolutely want to go um, one to obviously play at the World Cup but two I would say there's quite an even bigger financial reward now than it was back in you know 2010 so so you know there'd be deposits on a house being able to buy a house whatever that might look like for some of these young guys so it, it, it is big um, but your bread and butter 
is a hundred percent your club. You know, the, the club is your daily your your wages. That's that's kind of what you get. You get back from an all white tour for ten ten days or two weeks or whatever. You know, I think I was only getting six or seven hundred bucks. Amazing, absolutely amazing. When you put it, that's the difference. Yeah, that, uh, I mean that's quite staggering, quite revealing. Actually, I never would have put it that that low kind of a mark. Uh, look, hey Ben, 181 games to the Phoenix. You you put your heart and soul and a lot of blood on the pitch for them. So I'd imagine you still follow them very closely. What did you make of their season this year with the, the things that went against them? Yeah, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. I love watching them. It's you know, but. I think um, Talley has done an exceptionally great job and I've really enjoyed watching him develop that team and the squad. It's always hard because he leaves, he loses always a good chunk of his players every year just through, um, you know, whatever it might be, go, players leaving to bigger things or whether they're going back into the Australia for, you know, to go back to their hometowns for the Australian players. I think he's done a good job and I really enjoy watching them. I think they were just shy of, Probably you know another couple of players to to push through the playoffs. You know I think they just deserved. There was a couple of times they got really heavily beaten, which probably dampened their season a bit. And then obviously you know when they got to the playoffs, um, it could go either way. But they're probably a couple of players short of being able to push through to the you know to do really well in the playoffs. So um, no no, um, I, I really enjoy watching Talley, and I hope he can stay around a bit longer. So if he can get a or hold some of those players, if he can get a squad together, how close do you reckon they are from from cracking it right to you know towards the really the business at the end of the season? Yeah, it's, I was trying. You, you try and look at the other, the teams that have won it, and they probably just need to be a little bit deeper in terms of you know when you're bringing on your your substitutions that they're experienced A League players. You know they've played at least fifty games. They've been another. They've been another A League team, so they know what it's like to win. You look at sometimes when they've got injuries or sicknesses, and then you look at the young players they're trying to bring on, and it's not their fault. But you can't. You, you're not going to win the A League, or you're not going to um, do well in the playoffs if you're bringing on, you know, eighteen, nineteen-year-old players um, from from your subs, and that's 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 not their fault, but. If you've got a squad that you can go quite deep in terms of your, you know, four or five that are on the bench, and then you've got a fan, you know, a really good starting lineup, that's when I think you're going to start looking to crack on into the finals and start sort of going a little bit further than what they are at the moment. But 100% agree with developing the young players. It's just you probably just need a little bit more depth just to be able to have those experienced players that have played in the A League a bit more. Pathway for young footballers now, uh, even looking back to your time, has increased um, drastically, hasn't it? When you look at uh, the number of players, the number of leagues uh, our young guys are going to outside the American college system, etc. Uh, they're everywhere. Uh, the net has, has spread very wide. Yeah, great. Another great call. Like We grew up and you, know, you sort of said that I played for Christchurch United. That was what it was for me. You know, you played for your local club. You know, you you learnt from a few senior English players that came out to sort of finish their careers, which I learnt a lot from, and which I miss actually in New Zealand is having a few senior English pros that you know re, you know teach mm-hmm. you the ropes. But now there's academies. The Phoenix have got a good development around the academy and the systems and the structures. You know, there's a number of academies um, around the country. 
and 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 then there just seems to be a lot more opportunity for players to get overseas and play in some of the the leagues around Europe and um, you know they just there just seems to be a lot more um, opportunity around the country but also to get overseas a lot faster. America was always a big thing in my my era because it was kind of the only thing. It was like you, you're good you're a good player. If you've got half a brain, you can go to university and at least carry on with your studies and try and crack it as a you know as a as a professional after you've been to the university system. So it's very much there's the the American thing still available, but there's there's a hell of a lot more opportunity to go professional now um, all around the world for these young guys, which is it's just great for them. Then on a, a personal note, uh, you've got a role now with uh, Wellington Rugby. Tell us a wee bit about that. Yeah, so I always wanted to give, as a player, I always was, you were probably always searching for someone to be a bit of a role model off the field. So I'm a professional development officer for Wellington Rugby and I look after the uh, Wellington Lions for the Bunnings Cup and the Boys and Girls Academy that are coming through and we just help educate them and and help them sort of think about uh, life outside of rugby, really. And that's probably something that, I was very passionate about because it's hard as a professional player to know what you're going to do when you finish and what you're going to do when your career ends. And, you know, that's what I do for these players, um, you know, outside of rugby. And, you know, for me, it's just about talking about, yes, your rugby career is going to be X amount of years or it might not even work out, but, you know, what's plan B? And and are you educating yourself to be set up for, for life after, you know, your sport pretty much? It's uh, something I'm really passionate about. Ben Sigmund, been absolutely fantastic catching up with you. Uh, interesting role that you've got there. And, uh, uh, of course, a lot of uh, interesting football coming up for the All Whites in the very near future. Uh, thanks for your memories uh, and thanks for your input this morning. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, cheers. Ben Sigmund there, of course, former All White and legend of New Zealand football. Uh, 181 games for the Phoenix. Starting his career, leaving school at the age of 17, going to Christchurch United just as a whippersnapper. Uh, panned out pretty well for him, didn't it? 9.23 here on SENZ. Ireland's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.29 now, uh, just a reminder, we're opening up our lines just uh, after the 9.30 news uh, with Araha. And uh, our number is 0800 150 811. Subjects this morning, uh, two really for me. Uh, does this stop the bleeding at the Warriors? Uh, the Stacey Jones appointment, the removal of uh, Nathan Brown, does that stop the bleeding for you? Uh, is it now we've reached bottom, the absolute bottom, or does it mean we can uh, expect some more fallout? So w- what are you predicting now from this point on? Brown is gone, uh, Lodge is gone, other players have gone, uh, but Stacey Jones steps up to be the head coach. Does that solve the issue for you? Does it mean... Uh, we can now start looking forward to um, uh, not so much better results, but maybe a better style of play, more intent. Uh, does it also mean that we're going to hear less rumblings out of the club and just get on with actually playing rugby league and have the ability to be a real fan? Does it, does it stop the bleeding for you, Stacey Jones' appointment? The other uh, issue is, um, of course, the cricketing one, if you like. Uh, De is out. Uh, what do you look up for at the balance of test match number two? Ajaz Patel bowled two overs for 22 in the test match. We all are advocates for playing spin, but do you think that they will? Do you think they will? 
Um, so there's that to, to talk about as well. Also, league fans, maybe on a more positive note, State of Origin tonight. What are you expecting out of State of Origin number one, Blues or Maroons? So plenty of topics to talk about uh, straight after this news bulletin we have right now with Araha. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800-150-811. Yep, you heard the number, 0800-150-811. Uh, what's on your mind this morning? What's on your mind? Possibly it's the Warriors. I, I just looked at all the texts coming through for the lads on the breakfast show. Quite a lot of emotion out there. But do you believe that the Stacey Jones appointment, or does it for you, stop the bleeding? Can we just get on with playing rugby league with a better attitude, a bit more commitment over the 80 minutes? Can we do that? Can we do that? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Tony from Auckland, uh, first up this morning. G'day, Tony, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, Ian, I'm very good. From yesterday. So, uh, yeah, the Warriors, mate. Stacey Jones in, of course, um, gone. Long gone now, um, Nathan Brown, even though it's just been less than 24 hours, it feels like the end of a chapter quite some time ago. So how are you feeling about it? Um, it definitely has to stop the bleeding. There's a lot of holes to plug. Um, it won't stop the bleeding unless we sort out our spine. Um, number nine, number six and number seven needs to be, needs to be looked at very seriously. Um, with with uh, number six and number seven that we've got now, and if we're going to take them into next year, the bleeding will carry on. I'm afraid we have to change the players. Simple as that. If Stacey Jones has got the the leadership, then um, hopefully he can kick some of these players up the bum and get them get rid of them, and start to po- appointing some real recruitment guys to go out there and start getting us some real players. And it won't stop unless we do that. The coach can't stop so, the bleeding. It's got to be the players. Okay, so um, what, what are you what are you suggesting that they do here? I mean, a lot of these players you're talking about that are going to fix the situation uh, are, are committed to other clubs for quite some time. So, do you feel that there are players out there who could who, who they could nab now, looking forward to the latter part of this season and into next one? Well, I hope so, because I guess the only people that really knows of these players out there available is our recruitment team. And whether we've got a decent recruitment team behind us, it doesn't look like it, because we seem to be getting back all the old players like that we had back in the day. We look like, like Penne. I mean, we haven't even seen them play properly yet this year, this season, but we got them back. Um Vanua Blake is the only is the only forward decent forward that we've got at the moment, and, and that's the serious truth about it. One decent forward, not going to work. Okay, so if we look behind the scenes, then uh, Tony, what uh, what about the ownership, uh, the owner himself, uh, the CEO? Uh, you're happy uh, with with that duo staying on and, and continuing on? You'll still you'll still be a Warrior supporter under this ownership. Yeah, but how does that how does their ownership change at, at the end of the day? I mean, as fans, we don't know all that inside stuff really. As fans, that's the frustrating part about it. Um, whether our words and what we say really calculate into their their way of thinking, and it really helps the the, the club, and they're going to take our 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 uh, suggestions and and um, 
critique on board, then, then it's, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. That's the problem with, with being well, a fan. It, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really it's hard. It's a hard watch. Well, there's a couple of things that to, would suggest change of ownership to me. If, you lose, if you're an owner and you're losing money hand over fist, then it's, it's not a good thing to hold on to. So that's point one. Point two is, uh, why did you get into the ownership for it? Uh, you are, are you a genuine league fan? Are you genuinely interested in the club as such, um, outside it being a business entity? Uh, and if that's the case, um, are you happy that the way it's run under your ownership and the way it's been going under your ownership is good? Is good for the Warriors, good for the game? In other words, it becomes a conscience thing. I'm not sure on either count there. I, I can't see it being uh, making lots of money, and I, I'm not sure about the conscience side of it, Tony. Okay, so then we need someone um, to own it that really cares about the, the company, the Warriors, because at the end of the day, it's a company, but it's, it's the fans' company. At the end of the day, isn't it? It's not. It's, it's not the owners' company. It's the fans, because without the fans, there is no company. There is no. There is no club. And if, and if we don't get an owner that cares about that, because this, I mean, from what I've heard, this owner's is, is up himself, and he, he doesn't care about anything but making money. That's what I've heard. Well, from listening to the narrative. I've, so, heard, uh, I've heard. I've heard. I've heard. I've heard yeah. he's. He's not the kind of guy that likes to sit back, uh, Tony, and let things unfold before him. Uh, and I think we've seen that in the last uh, two to three weeks that he's uh, he's not likely uh, to just be, um, you know, taking a real passive interest in the club. Uh, he's one of those guys that's uh, up front and centre. It's his it's his joint, and um, he wants a big say in it, and he wants to be very public in his say as well. Hey, Tony, thanks very much for your call. I can tell you're a, an avid Warrior supporter, and I can tell by your by your voice. That you're pretty depressed about the whole damn thing as well. Uh, Dino, uh, good morning to you. Uh, what are you reading in this uh, latest appointment of Stacey Jones? And uh, can we be here? Uh, can we be confident we're, uh, we've turned the corner? No. But I feel sorry for Stacey Jones. Like, he's a, he's a good lad and he's, he's, his heart's in it. But for me, there's a lot of similarities in sport. Like, Obviously, the recruitment, like I don't know, but I listened to Kempi and he does know. And he said the recruitment guy's asleep. Well, it's in, like, the Highlanders the same. Like, there's no point being in a competition, buying a player that the teams that you're playing against don't want. There's a reason they don't want him. He's not good enough, or he upsets the apple cart. But you're trying to beat them, so you can't. You see, you're flogging a dead horse with, with good money. That's stupid. So... They've also got a, a huge problem with the guy Locke. They've got a $700,000 part of the salary cap that they can't chase some young player or chase a good marquee player from somewhere else. But you know, they're just not going to get him with Robinson and the CEO there that they have at the moment. Because obviously they've got too much say. And I don't know... I mean, I love the passion that's coming out. Like, why I did ring was yesterday that Pacifica guy nailed it, and I, I hope he got the chocolates for that because it's brave to come out and say what he said, and good on him. And then this morning on Izzy and Campy, we had Dave rung up. Now, this is the beauty of your format, Smithy. Now, I know you know it. I know they know it. But people that care have actually got a, a window now where you can just have your two bobs worth. And you're not going to get shut down at the pub, to be brutally honest. 
It's like the school kid in the class. It's a dummy that doesn't put their hand up. Like, it's only an opinion, but it's a it's a calculated opinion. You know, I don't ring up and just prattle on because I like the sound of my own voice. I actually care. Like, I want the Warriors to be a sporting identity in New Zealand. It's a fabulous competition, the ARL. I don't watch it, but that's just me. I love State of Origin. I can't wait for tonight. But, that, that, no, Stacey... Good luck to him. He's going to need all the luck in the world. But no one has the support of the boss. It's his way or the highway. And there's more on the highway. Like, name a team of the last five years, coaches included. I think it's five years. I want to go back to the Cleary when he left. Mm. If if those players that left after Nathan Cleary left, I mean, Ivan Cleary left, sorry, that team would smoke the Warriors. And you might even have a fairly decent young lad at, half-back or first five, whatever they could fly half in league, could have stayed, i.e. his son. But what, what, what have we got? We buy back Sean Johnson. Now, Sean was good once upon a time, but that's like a nursery rhyme, isn't it? Why go back to something that didn't work in Quinella? You got rid of him for whatever reason. It's just a waste of money. It has to be a tax write-off for, for Robertson. It has to be. Uh, look... Yeah, and it's a, a very open one if, if if that is the case, uh, Dean. Just just uh, you're a, you're a fan of of state of origin, Dean. Blues or Maroons tonight? Oh, Blues are a day, mate. It's just like it's like voting for me. Blues a bit of colour than red. Simple as that. I'll keep it simple. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Just like voting, Dino. As always, thank you very much for your time this morning, uh, John from Auckland. Good morning, John. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Yeah, Dino's. Absolutely right on some of those points there. Uh, just quickly, just back to the cricket. Yeah. Um, the Gronhorn being out, does that open the door for Bracewell to come in maybe? Especially when we kind of need another another established batsman in there because, you know, um, that tail's looking a bit long there, mate. Well, it is, John, if they if they go that way um, and just uh, replace him with uh, an absolute bowler. But here's the other thing. One test, uh, one test down now. Um, they have to get back in the series. The only way to do that is to get 20 wickets. No other way. Uh, England will do them no favours. So having got one nil up in the series, they're not going to give New Zealand opportunities by declarations and saying, go to your batsman, go and get that lot. But, Whatever they leave them, if it came to that, would be very, very stiff and very unlikely. So here's, uh, from my point of view, um, you're going to have to make room, it looks like, for Henry Nichols. So Nichols will come in at five. Uh, Mitchell, you cannot leave out now, uh, of course, for obvious reasons, but he's a damn good player anyway. He he bats at six and he can bowl a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, And seven, of course, is Tom Blundell. So there you've got your seven. Now, that's pretty strong batting. Jamison will stay in the side because he got wickets. So Jamison at eight, that's not too bad either, I can say. That's as good as most sides around the world. Um, but what I will say is is what now in the bowling? Do we say mm. uh, to Ajaz Patel, and, and I'll put my hand up and say I've been one of the guys that has been uh, saying he should be playing pretty much every test match. Uh, this time of the year in England, is it worthwhile? I don't know the conditions at Trent Bridge. Would you play uh, Ajaz Patel as a bit part player? Or will you go for Neil Wagner? Or would you go for Matt Henry? What would you do there, John? That's the, I think that's their decision. Well, yeah, I, I think you go Wagner, mate. That's, that's what's helped us in the past. But you, you hit the nail on the on the coffin a few weeks ago, last week, when you said that they were lacking confidence and 
you you thought that uh, they probably weren't going to win this game because of the series against Bangladesh and South Africa. Now, that might be a mental thing for this team. You know, they've they've won their trophy and I think they've lost four of the last seven test matches. Is that right? See, that's that's kind of concerning, eh? Yeah, there's a real issue there, uh, John, um, and it has to be fixed very quick. Yeah, three of the last five as well uh, in the in the short term. John, as always, uh, enjoy f- hearing from you as I do. Zaid, uh, you uh, last cab off the rank uh, very quickly this morning. Zaid, what have you got for us? Um, I'm looking forward to the State of O tonight. I'm a big State of Origin Queensland Maroons fan, and um, I want to tell mm-hmm. you why I'm a Queensland fan. It's because of the coaches yep. that used to play for Queensland. Billy Slater was the one... Uh, uh, Cameron Smith, Cooper Comp, and uh, Jonathan Thurston. I think uh, Queensland should be doing. I uh, think Queensland should win the series this year. Uh, they got Billy Slater. He should know what he's doing as a coach. And they've got some real good young players: uh, Salvin Covo, uh, Jeremiah Nanai. Um, love the halves. The way Cameron Munster has been playing this year. Um, we've got Daily Cherry Evans, players like Valentine Holmes, Kalen Ponga. Yeah, I'm absolutely fizzing for tonight. Um, I think it's on you guys are doing some commentary. And also the Northern Mystics have got Grace Nowicki back um, about time. I think the Mystics are going to have a good go. Um, and I think they should be able to beat the Stars um, tonight. And last thing, um, All Whites versus Costa Rica. All Whites are going to have a good go with players like um, Liberato Kikachi, uh, Chris Wood. you got like Elijah Just. you got um, Oli Sale. you got Joe, Joe Bell. A lot of experience, a um, lot of good young players now. And I think if, if it's the All-White's time to make the World Cup, then it's the All-White's time next week. They've got to get early goals, and then they can make it if they play well. Um, and it would be great for New Zealand football. And we've bo- just booked a big game against Australia. Um, so it would be really good if we can qualify for the World Cup. And I can actually support New Zealand for one time at the World Cup because you have to find other teams to support in the Soccer World Cup because I love watching um, football, but it's hard when New Zealand's not there, so you can't watch them. Zaid, outstanding uh, Again, pretty much nailed everything that you said this morning In such a short space of time Thanks for holding on uh, as long as you did Zaid, as always, sums it up very, very quickly And I'm with Zaid I'm Maroons tonight Always been Maroons 9.46 here on SENZ This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ Congratulations, John, from Auckland. Uh, you're the winner of our uh, Chemist Warehouse voucher for $50 this morning. We will have, of course, another one up for grabs just after 9.30 tomorrow morning. A uh, number of things uh, being announced this morning, actually. So um, the uh, White Ferns cricket team for the Commonwealth Games will be announced. We're going to hope to uh, speak to their uh, head coach, their new head coach, Ben Sawyer, just after 11 o'clock this morning. And the undercard for the Fight for Life also uh, to be revealed um, around about uh, five, six minutes' time officially, I think, 10 o'clock. Um, so we'll have that uh, for you as well. Uh, Going to hear from uh, Stacey Jones. We'll announce that White Fern squad too uh, just after uh, the 10 o'clock news. So uh, we've got a couple of texts that have uh, come, which I've, I find quite pertinent because uh, they're a bit deeper than, um, than you think. Boys, I have a Warriors rain jacket in my work van. Yesterday I got wet rather than wear it because of what's been happening in the last couple of months. So rather than be seen to wear a Warriors jacket and stay dry, Chris has said, to hell with it, it can stay in the truck and I'll get soaked, uh, which pretty much sums up his embarrassment at the moment. Uh, and another one, that which is unnamed, but pretty deep, uh, read the Warriors, this is just Groundhog Day. We will never get a decent coach with a skill set to fix this team 
because they are career killers. Stacey Jones' appointment will only tarnish a stellar playing career. As for Cameron George, he is a flog and is delusional. A great culture when they can't win a game or even go through a sustained period of stability. I have given up. I can't even watch now. Uh, very interesting there. So, yep, uh, there's a lot of feeling out there. And it continues throughout the, the whole day here on SENZ. I've also got another lengthy text, which I won't read out, but I'll, uh, I shall say to uh, the person that texted in that I have got all those questions on my list anyway to ask Ben Sawyer. So thanks for your help, but uh, hopefully we'll get some answers that you and I uh, and the rest are looking for after uh, the contract list came out and this new team for the Commonwealth Games very shortly. 9.53 here on SENZ. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold it. Know when to fold it. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, both baseball teams let us down yesterday. The Astros got beaten by Seattle and the Angels lost 1-0 to the Red Sox. So uh, we'll leave it at that. So today we'll leave baseball alone and go to uh, rugby league to begin with. Uh, State of origin, uh, number one, even though I'm a Queensland fan, I do think New South Wales will beat them uh, at $1.61, having talked to Brandy Alexander yesterday. So $1.61 there. The Mystics have a big playoff match tonight against the Stars. Auckland doubleheader there going head-to-head, $1.85. And in tennis, Zhuan Zhang to beat Jody and Burridge in the WTA Nottingham event overnight at $1.32. Return for that, $3.93. $3.93. After the break, uh, we'll talk about uh, the Fight for Life undercard and hopefully have a White Ferns Commonwealth Games squad for you. SENZ. Right, it's 10.03 here on SENZ. We promised you uh, a couple of uh, announcements, which were embargoed until 10 o'clock. Well, we're uh, after that, of course, now, so uh, you can fire ahead. Uh, Logan Swinkles, producer Logan Swinkles, you have got, uh, what, the White Ferns team first? Yeah, this came through literally in that news break, Smithy. Uh, the New Zealand women's T20 squad has been announced for the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. Otago Sparks off-spinner Eden Carson and Auckland Hearts wicketkeeper Izzy Gaze have been included for the first time. Hearts left-arm spinner Fran Jonas and Wellington Blaze batter Georgia Plymouth will embark on their first tours with the New Zealand cricket team, while the Blaze wicketkeeper Jess McFadden uh, will return to England after first touring there last winter. That team will be complemented by the vast experience of Captain Sophie Devine, Susie Bates, Mealy Kerr and Maddie Green, and a raft of players who are well known to the squad from Brooke Halliday with 27 international caps to Hayley Jensen with 70. The 15-strong touring party comprises two wicketkeepers in, in McFadden and Gaze, three spinners in Mealy Kerr, Carson and Jonas, a pace bowling quartet of Hannah Rowe, Jess Kerr, Rosemary Meir and Hayley Jensen with backup from Divine, and a batting spine of Bates, Divine, Green, Down and Halliday. And Smithy, it's the first time women's cricket has featured at the Commonwealth Games following a men's 50-over version played at Kuala Lumpur in 1998, way back then when New Zealand won a bronze medal. Well, it's lucky enough to be there, actually. Stinking hot it was on a very, very slow surface. 
Uh, it was like playing on on a mat, really. Um, it was pretty horrible in terms of standard of cricket, but it was really, really oppressive. The heat, I can remember that factor of it, and that's just uh, only from a commentary point of le- point of view on an air conditioned tent, let alone uh, from a playing point of view. It must have been really tough. But uh, Australia winning that. Steve Waugh actually saying uh, he regarded the the Commonwealth Games gold medal up there with anything that he achieved in cricket, which is quite interesting actually. Uh, but having said that, uh, now it, it enters. Uh, the fray for the first time um, as a women's sport, the T20 version of, of uh, the game, of course, so quick fire stuff. New Zealand's record has uh, been marginally better than it has uh, in uh, the one-day form of the game, but only marginally. So we're, we've got a, a, a lot to learn and a, a lot to achieve in a short space of time if we are to be serious medal contenders, of course. Um, uh, all the World Cup sides or most of the World Cup sides are part of the Commonwealth so uh, it'll be very tough very very tough as well for that uh, my initial thoughts without seeing that team on paper is that it's uh, completely come out of the uh, contract list which is not surprising um, but uh, you know I, I really did I, I thought it was uh, quite interesting actually uh, that uh, we, we talked about a number of these uh, young players coming through uh, and, and uh, they're going to get a real baptism of fire, to be honest, uh, in this particular tournament. So uh, it looks to me as if uh, Penfold has missed and Patel has missed out of the 17-person uh, or 17-woman contract list that they have. So you had a squad of 15, you said, that was going? Is, is that right? A squad of 15? Squad of 15. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that's minus uh, Penfold and Patel out of the contract list. Penfold, of course. Uh, one of the rising stars, apparently, in fast bowling. So, uh, okay, um, not much else you can you can sort of say uh, about that, really. Uh, they go there ranked about fifth or sixth, and I, I would think that uh, if they improve upon that, that'll be a good achievement for Ben Sawyer. Uh, we will have him, hopefully, just after 11 o'clock this morning to, to talk us through that. Uh, how much say did he have in it? How much did he say did he have in the contract list? After all, it is his team. Um, and interesting um, that uh, Sophie Devine stays as captain for me. That's uh, that was far from a given um, on what I saw in the World Cup. Uh, I, I kind of think that Sophie Devine would be better served just batting and being an all-rounder. And if we're going to go, if we were going to go for the juggler and go new right from the outset, was Mealy Kerr not captain? Uh, so uh, just a couple of thoughts uh, leading forward into that. Um, aside from that, um, we'll we'll fi- find out more about that after eleven o'clock. Um, we've got the, the Dean Lonigan organised to fight for life as uh, making a comeback as well. Uh, so let's uh, look at uh, the undercard that's been announced for that. Carlos Spencer, fans, and plenty of you out there will be very happy to note that he's on the undercard list against uh, Pot, Paul Fotowera, of course, former rugby league player. Liam Messam uh, up against James Gavitt, or Gavay, I don't know, is it James Gavitt? Um, so Liam Messam, who's uh, 3-0 and as a professional boxer, is coming off a boxing bout in May. Uh, he's been sparring with Olympic medalist David Nika uh, with the National Heavyweight Championship ambition. He is uh, sure to come up uh, sharp as uh, Liam Messam. So he's there. Um, got some real boxing credibility as well, though, with Andre Mikhailovich, uh, Andre the Renegade, uh, up against uh, Francis Waitai and Jerome the Panther Papillon up against Joshua Chucky Francis. I probably get all of those pronunciations wrong, but uh, to me, a lot of these uh, people are new names in the business. So uh, it looks as though it's a fairly high-powered undercard, and that, of course, is to uh, the big fight, 
which is uh, Kevin Mialamu, um, and stepping in up against uh, Wairangi Kupu. That is the main event. So um, Dean Lonigan, very, very happy with that, uh, which has been announced today. He says, with star power, athleticism, boxing school, and compelling personal mental health experience, which align with its support for the I Am Hope Mental Health and Suicide Prevention Charity. Carlos Spencer back, uh, the Toffee Pops boy. What do you make of that, Logan? I think it's awesome. I think this this is a great undercard. When you think of Fight for Life, so I mean, one, I'm a massive Wairangi Kupu fan, uh, and even though he'll admit he's got one good bicep, but with the way he's been training for this, perhaps he might see the return of the second one. Uh, but Kevin, Kevin Mialabu, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, some of the presses and some of the promotional stuff that he's been doing around the smithy. He is looking in incredible shape. I'm I'm actually really I'm not usually big on fight for life, but this one, I think there's there's a lot of interest there. I I like that. I I'm a huge Carlos Spencer fan from back in the day. I love you mentioned the Toffee Pops <laughs> thing because in the press release they called him the Toffee Pops poster boy. I mean we do all remember that, don't we? Uh, but yeah, and he's going up against uh, NRL Grand Final winner Paul Faturero. That is going to be awesome. And Liam Messon. I mean the fact that he has ambitions for a, a, a New Zealand national heavyweight title that's awesome just another rugby great looking to uh, expand his career in another sportsmithy well two rugby greats that had very long careers uh, Kevin Mialamo's career for both the Blues and the All Blacks um, stellar absolutely stellar career um, and one of the most popular guys ever to wear um, either jersey he is uh, just one heck of a gentleman to deal with but his principles around uh, rugby, his principles around life, make him a, an admirable candidate, not just uh, to be a boxer, but also to be uh, involved in an event like this. So no problem there with uh, with Kevi Mialamu. Um, and, and he'll do well. And f- to say that he's in great shape, well, I would never doubt that for a second because when blokes of that uh, magnitude in one sport try and take on another one, they try not to leave any stone unturned. And the first thing that you can do, of course, in terms of being a a boxer is to get yourself in great shape and that would, would be in no doubt to me that what, what Kevin Mialama would do as is the case of course for Liam Messam who set their standards so high uh, in terms of playing rugby. Uh, the boxing credibility side of it is uh, very very well stacked as uh, Dean Lonergan has said he's added two of New Zealand's leading boxing hopes and the undefeated pairing of Andre Mikhailovic uh, who is 17 and 0 at the moment and Jerome Pampelon, who is a 12-0, so two undefeated fighters, uh, up against uh, two guys I don't know too much about, Francis Waitai, Joshua Chucky Francis. Uh, I would imagine those uh, two unbeaten fighters, uh, Pampelon and Mikhailovic, are seriously um, big uh, favourites going into that one. So, uh, yeah, and of course uh, the news coming out that Messam has been sparring with uh, Olympic medalist David Nika, who had... Uh, uh, another one just uh, a couple of days ago, which makes him 3-0. and So it, it's really cool um, that Dean Oregon's been able to put this together, of course. Uh, there was uh, a bit of a dampener over Fight for Lives and charity fight nights and things when uh, they had a fatality down there in Christchurch. Uh, that was not a good thing, but um, we had to put that on hold and, and just uh, rebuild. And uh, It's good to see that there's genuine athletes and genuine fighters, really, taking part in this one. So um, that's going to be cool. Look forward to that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, I mean, it's such a great cause, right? Especially all around, uh, you know, mental health. And I mean, it's such a big focus these days around around sport and and life in general. So Dean Lonigan and his crew are doing great things here. They are indeed. 
Um, look, on another um, note, um, Zoe Hobbs, we've got a great sprinter uh, coming out through the ranks here, recorded a, an Oceania record in winning the 100 metres title at the Oceania Athletics Champs in Queensland. Three times during the domestic season, uh, Hobbs lowered the New Zealand women's 100 metre record and on a wet track and lightly falling rain in Mackay, she clipped a further 0.06 seconds from that time, recording 11.09. So uh, she's in great shape. Uh, looking forward to Commonwealth Games, I would imagine, there. Um, a number of other athletes have uh, competed well for from New Zealand's point of view. Uh, Sam Tanner uh, maintaining his outstanding record uh, in recent form by cruising the victory in the senior men's 1500. Matthew Taylor was third. Tori Peters uh, defeated Australia's world champion Kelsey Lee Barber in a high-class women's javelin but had to settle for silver behind Barber's compatriot Mackenzie Little. Uh, Courtney Rusk won the 5,000-metre race walk title and double Paralympic sprint medalist uh, Daniel Aitchison uh, defied a nagging back injury to win the bronze in the women's para 100. So uh, a lot to, to like and a lot to look forward to uh, from our athletes on the track. It is uh, coming up to 10.15 here on SENZ and we have a panel coming up next and that uh, can, uh, consists of the very experienced Andrew Gordy and the equally experienced Guy Havelt. Thank you New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Very high-powered panel this morning in the form of Andrew Gordy and Guy Havelt. Guy, if I can start uh, with you, uh, please. Uh, Christ College getting a little bit of exposure on the telly with their first 15 the last couple of Fridays, mate. Um, hadn't gone quite so well, though. Gee, shots fired early doors, Smithy. Shots fired early doors. Um, well, I was going to say good to talk to you both, but I'm not sure how this is going to go. Yeah, look, uh, not not a great start to the season for the boys. I think they might be 0-4 or something, but uh, it's a long season, Ian. It's a long season. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what more to say about that. We've been pretty average, must be said. <laughs> well, I could see the smile. Actually, I was uh, at the ground standing just behind Mark Hammett, who coaches uh, St Thomas's. And his smile was pretty wide, Guy, I can tell you that. I do not blame him yet. They, they were pretty impressive, actually. And uh, as were boys high the week before. Uh, look, I, I follow that, that Christchurch school comp pretty closely. I love schoolboy rugby. I think it's I think it brings uh, the atmosphere at those types of games are just superb. And um, to see more schools coming through, I suppose, and be competitive on a serious note, uh, I, I think it's great for those sorts of competitions. So... Look, yeah, happy for St Thomas's, uh, but always tough as an old boy to see the school uh, school rugby team battling. There's no doubt about that. Andrew Gordy, good morning to you. Um, greatest friend in the world for sports media, this Warriors franchise, isn't it? There's always a little bit of copy floating around. There's always a story, almost on a daily basis. Has Stacey Jones volunteered to to roll under the bus here, or what? Look, we'll, we'll get on to that in just a moment, but eighth, Smithy, Christ College are in eighth place uh, in the Miles to uh-huh. Championship. Just one win from their five games. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough times for the uh, for the black and white. Just just out of interest, um, and for your listeners, St. Bede's College in fifth place there with four wins from five oh, matches. Go. So things going a little better for uh, for the Catholics. Uh, anyway, on to the, <laughs> on to the Warriors. Um, yeah, it's uh, the, the, the gift that keeps on giving uh, in terms of the media... I'd probably prefer it, to be honest, if it wasn't this bad. But boy, oh boy, is it bad. And what a bizarre 
24 hours it has been uh, for the Warriors. I mean, they've had some crazy days in their history, but uh, last yesterday really does almost shoot to the top of the list for me. What I found so strange about it was how the story obviously broke in the Sydney media uh, late on, on Monday. And then come Tuesday morning, we have these bizarre scenes. Nathan Brown, with a smile all over his face, um, delighted quite clearly to that the fact his, his time with the club is over. And it seems that everyone else is pretty happy about it as well. I, I just It really grates me how, how, how cosy and amicable this whole episode appears to have been for everyone. I can't quite make sense of it. Look, in terms of Stacey Jones, this is a bizarre one for me. And, and what's really concerning about it is that everyone seems to be admitting defeat. Because you, you look at it like this. Stacey Jones, and he admitted as much yesterday when he was speaking to the media, he said, I have no ambitions to be an NRL coach. So why are you putting him in charge then for, for the rest of the season? There's, there's still important games to be played, not, not least, of course, the ones that they're going to be playing when they come back home to New Zealand. The reason I think they'll put him in this position is because they're not expecting that the results are going to get much better and no one is going to come out and criticise a club legend like Stacey Jones. If they really did have some strong feelings about what they were able to achieve throughout the rest of the season, I think the smart move would have been to put Justin Morgan in charge. He is a guy who actually does have ambitions to coach it at the highest level, and he actually has the credentials, you could argue, to do it, certainly more so than, than Stacey Jones. He, he's a guy that is motivated, wants to achieve more in the game. I think that would have been the play, if, unless you had someone else lined up, which they quite clearly don't. Um, but yeah, it's a bizarre one for me. I have zero expectations of Stacey Jones. And, and to be perfectly honest, as much as he was a fantastic player, he does nothing to inspire me uh, to think that he's going to turn this team around um, over the coming weeks. The, the only thing I can perhaps read into this, uh, Guy, is that the one thing they, that they've been accused of not wanting to do is play for Nathan Brown. They've, they have uh, apparently had a little commitment. They've had little... Um, attitude uh, when it comes to actually wanting to front up and deliver for the jersey and that means uh, delivering for Nathan Brown. The appointment for Stacey Jones, I would imagine at least, he's. I would hope anyway he's got the respect, enough respect for players to say yeah he's worth, he's worth you know getting knocked over for. Yeah that, that's a good point. I, I think, I, think and I, I side with Andrew here, I think he's hit the nail on the head. If, if Stacey Jones has point blank, and he did say it yesterday, doesn't want to be a head coach. Why the hell is he in the head coaching role? I mean, it's just another decision from this Warriors management that makes complete and utter no sense whatsoever. It's just bizarre, and and I think it, it leaves the team in another hole again. I, I think you raise a fair point, though, as well, Smithy, that he does have that, that mana in the club uh, because everyone knows what he did at the Warriors. A lot of these Warriors players... Uh, would have watched him growing up as kids and seen what he did then and probably been inspired by him to play rugby league. So I think they will want to play for him. But if he doesn't want to be there, what's the point? And then you start looking at who else there might be. Well, I mean, everyone starts talking about Michael Maguire. I'm sorry. If you want to turn the Warriors around, a coach who has, I think he has a 33% winning record in the NRL, that ain't it. That is definitely not it. So let's just stop talking about Michael Maguire now because that, to me, seems like the most pointless pointless thing they could possibly do and they'll be stuck in the same spot that they are right now. I just think it's a, it's a waste of time. They need to start looking somewhere else. Christian Wolfe's been bandied around. He seems like a logical option. Um, but don't go near Maguire, please. 
So, okay, so uh, if we can't go to the NRL market as such because they're either all taken or they don't want to come, uh, do we go, I mean, way, way, way back, uh, Gords, we went to the UK to find them? I think Christian Wolf's the guy, to be perfectly honest. I mean, he's, um, for a couple of reasons, right? He's obviously, um, he's served his time. Um, he obviously, you know, spent some time in the NRL. He's gone over to the UK. He's been very successful there with St. Helens. But I, I also think that his experience coaching Tonga is absolutely crucial. And I think that's what makes him probably the perfect guy to take over at the Warriors. Because everyone keeps talking about culture and understanding the culture. Well, I would have thought that someone like Christian Wolf with experience coaching Tonga at international level is going to at least understand some of the culture and, and understand how to balance it. That's what we've always talked about, haven't we, with, with, uh, when it comes to a successful Warriors team. It's always been the coach that's been able to strike the balance between, you know, I suppose, the, the Pacific Island players in the team and, and, and whatever they can, they can pick up from Australia. He will know how to balance those those two aspects, I suppose. So for me, it seems like an obvious move for the Warriors to go after him. It sounds as though he, he's keen to come home, he's ready to come home, or at least to this side of the world. So I'll, I'll be very surprised if they don't at least make a, a strong play for, for getting Christian Wolf. I suppose that now, though, the issue for the Warriors is they don't just have it all to themselves. You know, the Tigers are also looking for a coach, and who will they feel is the right sort of person to to take over at their club as well because when you've got multiple clubs in the market for a coach, you're not necessarily going to be able to pick the best one when it comes to, you know, if you're Cameron George and, and Mark Robinson trying to choose the next coach for, for the Warriors. So perhaps this is one they need to move and move quickly on. If we think the Warriors is a bit of a mess, and we do because it's so close to home and so close to our hearts as such, uh, Guy Havelt, how about the PGA? How's that looking at the moment? Yeah, it's a mess too, isn't it? Uh, my word, it's been a fascinating night in the golfing uh, atmosphere or the golf strat- golfing stratosphere overnight. Uh, Dustin relinquishing or resigning his PGA Tour. Dustin Johnson, that is, resigning his PGA Tour membership. Phil obviously fronting up at, at a press conference. I see Graham McDowell was asked a very pertinent question about, um, you know, playing in a, in a tour like the Live Golf Saudi-backed, obviously, um, what that kind of the message that that sends politically in terms of what the Saudis have done, killing 80 people, um, you know, Kamal, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, excuse me, and, and, and how they murdered him, uh, and the message that sends by signing up to a tour like that, and I think it was actually Andrew who might have tweeted this into my timeline, but uh, Graham McDowell's answer was utterly pathetic. Uh, he barely answered the question. Well, he didn't answer the question at all. He said, I don't know how to answer that question. Well, mate, you, you are going to that tour. You should have expected these questions. It's a very fair enough question. Um, this money is tainted money, and that's, let's be frank, the only reason why you're going, because you're setting yourself up for life. I don't, in terms of you know, wanting to set yourself up for life, that's fine, but you have to have some sort of answer to a question like that, uh, because to me, um, this is not... I don't think this is this is something that... Well, I wouldn't want to align myself to a tool like that, let's be honest. And the only reason why people are wanting to go to this is because they're, they're earning a ton of money. I see Dustin, Dustin Johnson's um, purse, for example, I think he got paid $125 million. Well, to put that into context, Tiger Woods' entire PGA Tour on-course earnings are $121 million. So in one go... Dustin Johnson's earned more than the greatest of all time. I mean, that's even all to me, really. It's all about money, and if you're going to go and you're going to go to a tour like that, 
you have to be able to front up and answer the hard questions about everything else that surrounds that tour. To me, it's as simple as this, Gord. Greed, greed over, co- over conscience. Yeah, it, it is. You're, you're absolutely right. And, it's, and these golfers, they better get used to these questions because they are going to keep on coming. And because they have themselves made a conscious decision to, to accept that money. And, and I, was, I was sort of thinking about this. Um, when it comes to Newcastle United, for example, obviously Saudi-owned and, and players who then decide to go and play for Newcastle. I think that's different. And, I, and I'm not making excuses for Chris Wood here, but I, I genuinely do think it's different. And the reason is this. The, the Premier League allowed that sale, that transaction to go through, right? And so once that happens, the, the, the club just becomes like any other club for, for players who are, who are playing in the Premier League. So whether it's Newcastle United, Manchester United, Leeds United, it doesn't really matter. They're, they're only signing up to join a club. Whereas these golfers, they, there's no go-betweens. There's no safety net. They have specifically decided in their own minds that this is where I'm, I'm going to go. So, fellas, like, let's be real about this. While, while these players, and they have all been given um, approval to play in the US Open next, next uh, well, when is that? Later on this month. Um, this, this is going to kill the PGA Tour. The majors, if they decide to allow these players who go and join this competition to then go and play in the majors, it's going to kill the PGA Tour. I'm telling you right now. And, and because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, people like us, your, your average punter, they don't care about the PGA Tour. I mean, I was having a look through the the PGA Tour schedule before, and I was like, some of these tournaments mean absolutely nothing to me. They mean as much as the LIV or the Live Invitational that's going to be played this, this week. All, all that really matters is the majors. Well, that's all we really, really care about. So whether, whether players are playing on the PGA Tour, the European Tour, or, or the, the Saudi back Tour, it doesn't really matter. If they're all allowed to play on the majors, then we're, we're going to see the best players in the world come together and, and play off against each other. Um, so... So really, does it matter who they play for in between times? I think the PGA Tour should be deeply concerned about that because the, the majors, and I'm talking about really the US Open, the Masters, these, these and obviously the PGA Championship's different, but um, if they're allowed to go and play in those tournaments, then, then the PGA Tour's got something really to be concerned about, I think. We're going to take a, a news break, fellas. Um, thanks very much for those opinions on those two subjects. Incidentally, PD has just texted in and said, hey, Smithy, if Saudi money is tainted... How on God's green earth is American money not? Interesting. Uh, I'll come back to you, fellas. I'll come back to you on the, maybe on that one if, you, if you're prepared to think about it for the next uh, minute or so. In the meantime, here's Aroa with a slightly belated news break. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah, it's a shady business, all right, this uh, LIV Golf Tour. Guy Havelt with us and Andrew Gordy and uh, that text from uh, PD Haysmith. If Saudi money is tainted, how on God's green earth is American money not tainted? Uh, do you, either of you care to reply to that, uh, Andrew or Guy? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll chip in on that. I mean, the, the fundamental difference here is that players are playing on the PGA Tour. That money's not coming from the US government. That that money is coming from broadcast deals. It's coming from com- commercial um avenues i suppose and sponsorship whereas the 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 live tour is funded by saudi arabia's uh sovereign wealth fund so that money is coming directly from the saudi government so that's a that's a huge fundamental difference and i suppose to, to the your listener who checks in um that's the difference mm. here the, the players are going to be paid by by the government uh, whereas that's, that's not what's happening on the pga tour so big fundamental difference for me Okay, right, uh, let's uh, turn to cricket if we can. Um, 
What'd you make of uh, the Lords and the wash-up Gords? Uh, it was over pretty quickly, and uh, anyone could have won going into the last day. I guess we needed a few wickets early. We couldn't get them. Overall, the performance disappointing from from our perspective, yeah. Yeah, really, really disappointing for me, Smithy. I mean, obviously, especially the the batsmen. Um, and I suppose it raises concerns. There's concerns for me about obviously the performance of. Uh, of Will Young, um, so, yeah, surprisingly uh, underwhelming performance from Tom Latham, Kane Williamson. The concerns just continue over him and this elbow, and you know he's obviously having his preparations disrupted now. He's not being able to prepare the way that he would like to. Is that having an impact on his performance? Like these are these are guys who we've really come to rely on at the top of the order to to build a base, build a platform to success. Um, and it felt like every morning, to be honest, you were waking up going geez, how did we dig ourselves out of that? And, and I, I suppose I did sort of have some hope that they might be able to rescue things um, come the final day. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, hats off to England. They obviously stuck in there. Um, they were they were up against it themselves at times during this test. But, yeah, fair play to the likes of Joe Roos, obviously a fantastic fourth innings performance from him. Mm. Uh, ben Stokes as well, making the most of, of, of his uh, opportunity as well. Um, Ajaz Patel, real head scratcher for me. Why, why was he not used more... Um, especially on, on that final day, I suppose, when you know we, we started leaking runs like crazy and it, and it got to the point where there was just no clawing it back. But I, I was really, I don't know, are you telling me that we really only picked AJS Patel to bowl legitimately on the fifth day of the test? It felt like it was just a wasted selection for me. Mm, I don't think they trust them. I really don't think they trust them to bowl in, in a low-scoring no. test match. It's, it's as simple as that. They just don't want them at the bowling crease and... Uh, two overs, none for 22, doesn't exactly, Guy Havelk, give you confidence that they'll pick him at Trent Bridge either. So uh, de Gronholm's out, we know that. Nichols will be back, we know that. So that will leave Blundell at seven and then four bowlers. Any ideas? Well, just on, on Patel quickly, I, I can't believe they picked him in the first place. Uh, Lords has never really, in recent times anyway, been that conducive to spin. And any time you leave Neil Wagner out of your test team, I, I think is a real head-scratcher. So that made... From the word go, absolutely no sense to me. And Wagner would have come in uh, vital. He would have been he would have been so crucial, I think, to New Zealand's chances in that fourth innings to be able to get something uh, out of the pitch and, and, and help the Black Caps towards victory in terms of that. Um, and then you know you look at the batting. You talk about the batting. Well, my word, uh, that was so so disappointing across the board. Really, I I would. Here's, here's what I would do. I'm tempted to move Devin Conway up to open with Tom Latham and take Will Young down to number four. Um, I know they're, they seem obsessed with the whole right-hand, left-hand combination uh, when it comes to opening and then, you know, 3-4 as well. Uh, I think they just need to look past that. I think it would be a, a much stronger combination if Conway was to walk out at the start with Tom Latham and then you've got Kane Williams mm. three, who, yeah, out of form at the moment, but, uh, I, I, you know, he's bound to come back into form at some stage uh, form is temporary, class is permanent that sort of thing uh, and then I, I think Will, Will would be quite comfortable at number four and then I think Henry Nichols coming back is crucial as well and on top of that, uh, look I'm not too disappointed, obviously I'd like to see anyone getting injured but I'm not too disappointed that uh, Gronholm's going to be out for a bit I think the way that he got out in that second innings was just, that was appalling um, you know, that, that was just embarrassing how he got out that way and I personally think that uh, Daryl Mitchell is probably the most underrated cricketer in the country. So, um, you know, I think if they had that kind of top six, um, then, then I think it would be much stronger. 
Is that uh, what you'd think about Andrew Gordy? Would you leave out uh, Ajaz Patel? We've been trumpeting that we've got to have more spin involved in our game. Jeez, get Guy have out in the selection squad. I reckon that all sounds like absolute. Uh, yeah, that sounds perfect to me. To be to be honest, I actually like what you're saying about Devin Conway. Um, and and more so, I was really concerned with what I saw from Will Young uh, in that first test. He just looked out of sorts, just didn't look like he really belonged, which is not really something I thought I would say about Will Young. He's never really given me that sense before. Um, agree with Daryl Mitchell. I mean, geez, this guy just continues to impress, doesn't he? Um, and was absolutely delighted for him to, to get a well-deserved century, albeit in vain, obviously, in that first test. And, and Neil Wagner, I mean, it's just a, it's a head-scratcher, isn't it? Like, how could you how could you ever leave him? Like, if there's one guy in this Black Caps team you'd want to be in the trenches with, it's Neil Wagner because he's the guy that's going to dig you out every single time. He is never going to give up. The head's never going to go down. He's going to keep on fighting, and that's that's what you need in, in Test match cricket for sure. So yeah, I, I, I desperately want to see him back in there. And yeah, I, like I say, I don't I don't mind the idea of switching switching Young and Conway as well. Um, I think that could be just sort of the, the, the sort of move that gives them a bit of uh, solidity back in that top order, and especially when you've got, you know, the likes of Broad and Anderson, and just on that, isn't it laughable that, that you know, there were suggestions that these two, their days were over at, at the top level. These guys mm. still got it, and you saw it in that first test as well. They just had it on an absolute string, didn't they? So, um, you know, the, the Black Caps are going to be up against it. Once again, this, this top order is going to be up against it against those two. So, yeah, we need, we need something pretty solid at the top of the order, and perhaps Conway and Latham will give us that. George, I was just thinking, actually, uh, if I was in the trenches, I, with his educational background, etc., and his privileged position, I probably would like to be beside Guy Havelt in the in the in the <laughs> trenches because you're you're unlikely to have to ever go over the top. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. He's, he'd be he'd be he'd be right at home in the trenches, actually, wouldn't he? You wouldn't have to crouch down very much. He'd be he'd be standing on his own two feet while I'd be on my knees the whole time. Yeah, I'd be barking. I'd just be barking orders for you two to get out of the trenches and go and go for me. While I'd be just just sitting there having my sandwich or something. I was going to say you'd remind me of my 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 former uh, late great friend and David Hooks, who always used to have a standing comment about the English when it came to that kind of thing of the educated people. It's like they'd send us Aussies and Kiwis out to go and get a fresh pint of milk for their cup of tea every day over the top, so to the local dairy. So yeah, that would be uh, Hooks. used to always have them on about that. Hey, uh, fellas, before we go, uh, there has been a side name this morning. That's the Whitefield Commonwealth Games team for uncapped players. So, I mean, they basically have to have that because there's that many uncapped players in the uh, in the roster now these days. Um, Sophie Devine is captain. No great surprises, I guess, because I, I really don't know um, the length of or the, the, the experience of some of these players. But two players, I will say, Fran Jonas and Georgia Plummer, let's hope they play some cricket in the Commonwealth Games. These were the two players, uh, Guy Havelt, who uh, they picked for the World Cup, were really never going to be a factor. Yep, totally, Smithy, and I, I remember having a conversation with you about that uh, in Hamilton one day as well, that that was just utterly bizarre that they were in that squad and they never played. Uh, and like you, I hope that now they are in the squad, they get some experience. Otherwise, what is the point of them being there? Uh, look, my opinion hasn't really changed from when the contract list was named. Uh, I think it was um, poor that, 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 that those players were left out. I know they're looking to the future, but I think now is not the time. Uh, I think they've left the wrong players out of that squad. Um, and I don't see much changing from what happened at the World Cup to what might happen or, or what I think will happen at the Commonwealth Games. I'd be shocked if they win a medal. 
Um, good luck to them, uh, but uh, it doesn't overly fill me with confidence, I must say. And you, Andrew, same? Yeah, very similar sentiments. Uh, I suppose the, the one thing that I take away perhaps from this, um, from this squad announcement this morning is I know we, we had touched on uh, previously when the, when the contracts were announced whether perhaps the new coach had been consulted on this, as he, as he had a say on, on who's mm. going to get a contract or not, and you know, will we see some of those players return for for a shot at the Commonwealth Games? I suppose in particular we're talking probably more about Leah Tahuhu in that regard. She hasn't been selected, which indicates to me that the new coach perhaps did have a say in, in who those contracts were awarded to, who he intended um, to take to the Commonwealth Games. Perhaps that had been that had been flagged, obviously, with New Zealand cricket, discussed with New Zealand cricket when... Um, when they decided to to put the contracts together. So, yeah, like you say, good luck to them. I hope they do well. My expectations, though, are, are very low. It's hard to have high expectations for a team that, that had plenty of experience going into a home World Cup and, and didn't deliver. Now now you've got a side that's shorn of that experience. You're throwing some young players really into the deep end, going into a Commonwealth Games and on foreign soil, a brand-new coach. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, expectations are low. I hope they do well. Guy Havelt, Andrew Gordy, I'm speaking to him, uh, Ben Sawyer, just after 11 o'clock this morning. If he's half as compelling as you two blokes put together, uh, he'll be great. So I look forward to that. Good luck. Uh, gentlemen, ha- have, a, have a good week. Uh, I think Christ College are playing their B team this weekend. They might possibly win that one. It is 10.45 here on uh, SCNZ. Uh, we'll have another panel tomorrow morning. So uh, look forward to that as well. Matter, matter. Uh, also, um, news coming through, Louis, that the Chosen One will have its last start this weekend in the Q22 at Eagle Farm and off to Highview Stud. What a uh, really proven performer, the Chosen One. The Chosen One deserves more respect, Smithy. Should we do a Mount Rushmore of horses that deserve more respect? Um, I'd be involved with that for sure. He's just, what a weapon, you know. For such a long period of time as a stallion, just to do it with that, just what a testament to his temperament, um, the training of the master, Murray Baker, Andrew Forsman, just so well managed, good, cool ownership group, the um, the Dennis brothers from down south, and yeah, I mean, he's run fourth and fifth in Melbourne Cups, like, you know, this is a New Zealand horse, a Savabeel, and he's won a group one over a mile. Work that one out, you know? What an incredible horse. Um, as far as matter matter, it's heavy, Smithy. It's really heavy. Punt with, <laughs> um, I guess, caution today. Uh, there's a couple I think you can follow. I think Tickle Me Elmo, it's on a little bit of a drift in race seven. And maybe the best horse going around today, or the horse that's going to have the best career. You know, you say that with caution at this time of year. But Savvy 2 in race three for Mark Walker's Tiakau stable. It looks like it's got a lot of ability. Um, but yeah, it's a midweek meet today and there's muddling heavy form, so I'd just say be wary. Be wary? Uh, okay. Uh, let's uh, also just look on a subject I noted yesterday. Uh, stakes raise for local trainers and owners. They'll be happy with that on an announcement coming out. Yeah, 100%. So... Three hundred thousand dollars for minimum uh, minimum stakes for Group One South Smithy. That's up uh, well, quite significantly. I think it used to be two twenty or two thirty, um, and fourteen thousand dollars for every race throughout the calendar year. So every maiden race, fourteen k. And then there's a bunch in between where Group Twos go up, Group Threes go up. Every race on a on an iconic race meet is at a, a really nice minimum. Um, everything gets a shot in the arm, and it's 
look, this is going to be drip fed over a while. Bruce Sherrick says he's not going to try to sugar rush the industry, but we're going to see stakes go up over the next year, so it's a really exciting time to be involved with horse ownership and racing in New Zealand. Louis Herman, what there with uh, that good news? So Brendan Popper will uh, be the beneficiary of that because we all know that racing presenters get pay rises akin to stakes rises, don't we, Brendan? Oh, gee, next joke there, Smithy. Um, is this comedy out? <laughs> I didn't realise that. Um, <laughs> let's get to some sport for you, Smithy. <laughs> state of origin. Let's um, talk state of origin for you. $1.61 New South Wales. Queensland 227. We've seen money for New South Wales on the point start. Punters are keen here. 5,000 on the head to head, but also on the point start. 2,800 on the three and a half point start. And total points under 36 and a half. We've seen 1,000 on that option uh, also. Quickly want to jump to the netball as well, Smithy, because it is an important match tonight with, of course, the Stars and the Mystics. Grace Nowicki's playing. That means we've seen movement in the market towards the Mystics. They are now 190 as opposed to 2.56 yesterday afternoon. And have a little bet on Tickle Me Elmo at Matamata in race number seven. Oh, so much quality there from VP. So many things to keep an eye out for there. Um, it is 11 o'clock here on SENZ. Women's cricket after the break. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, following on from the disappointment of missing out on the Women's World Cup Finals at home and the departure of uh, head coach Bob Carter, the biggest question hanging around the White Ferns, of course, was who would go on to be appointed as coach. And we found that out last week. Uh, it is uh, a man from the bowling department of uh, the Australian women's team, uh, the world champion Australian side who uh, so well coached throughout. Uh, it's Ben Sawyer, uh, we know that now, and, and Ben joins us uh, this morning from uh, a White Ferns camp at the Bay Oval where they've just announced the side for uh, the upcoming Commonwealth Games. Ben, thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, no worries at all, glad to be here. Yeah, uh, Ben, easy decision. I mean, Matthew Mott's gone, of course, to uh, uh, to coach uh, the England side in white ball cricket. Uh, did, you, did you have a look at uh, perhaps the Australian role stepping up from the bowling uh, assignment? Uh, look, um, the process for the for the White Ferns job started a little while ago. So, you know, once I was involved in that, I was always pretty excited about uh, coming across. So, you know, Moddy's departure didn't really change that too much for me. Okay, so you've had head coaching roles um, in uh, the Sixers, of course, the Sydney Sixers, uh, the Birmingham Phoenix. So uh, a head coaching role is, is not strange to you at all. But, uh, of course, you, you were part of this highly successful regime uh, over a period of time in Australian women's cricket. What out of that can you bring to us? Yeah, look, it was, it was amazing to be part of that. And, and, you know, I spoke to the girls about that the other day. And I just think the, the most important part of, and one of the, the biggest parts of the Aussie success was just the way that they practised. And every single day they, they try to get better. So, you know, that's the one thing I've tried to do at clubs I've been at in terms of the Sixers and the Phoenix is that every single day you're, you're working towards becoming a better player. And, and a better person as well. And, and I just think the Aussies did that for, for such a long time. So, you know, that's something I'd definitely try to bring to this team. Ben, uh, there was reaction, of course, to uh, the clean-out, and there was a bit of a clean-out when you look at the squad, um, of players that were left off the contract list and have subsequently not made the side for the Commonwealth Games, uh, players with experience. Have you, 
Uh, did, how much input did you have uh, into both those uh, squads? The first of all, the contracts, and then of course the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, look, I'll be completely honest with you. It wasn't sort of something that I was part of. I was told that there might be a few changes during the process. So, uh, look, I'm comfortable and, and, and confident in the people that have made those decisions. I, it's probably something I shouldn't be part of right now in terms of I'm, I'm not really, you know, 100% over all the young domestic cricketers in particular. But, look, the training this week, I'm pretty confident with the, the 15 for the Com Games and obviously the 17 for the contract list. But... You know, from what I've seen the last two or three days, I'm pretty confident with that list. Okay, uh, just on those players that are, uh, have not retired, uh, you keep an open book on them. I mean, so have you reached out to them? Have you, uh, you're going to stay in contact with the, the likes of uh, Leah Tahu, who, of course, would be in your bowling ranks, Frankie Mackay, the same, etc. Yeah, look, uh, again, being completely honest with you, it is something that I would look at. So. You know, it's been made public that these were contract lists and, you know, but those girls have still got their hands up for selection. So, you know, obviously them going back to domestic cricket strengthens that. And if they put up performances, then it, then in my eyes, that they could consider for selection. So, you know, from my point of view, def- the book's definitely not closed. So uh, I've seen Australia's squad for the Cricket World Cup, which is pretty damn powerful. Uh, of course, we are going through a slightly experimental rebuilding stage, as, uh, which is quite obvious. What are your expectations going to the Commonwealth Games, Ben? Yeah, look, I told the girls, and again, I, I just think we should always try to, you know, everyone's going to try to win every single game that they play. So, yeah, can't against South Africa first, who are quite a strong side. But, you know, again... Um, I keep going back to what I've seen the last couple of days, some of the young talent in the spin department, and then I think we've got some experience, you know, with the meds. I think I can add a little bit to that that part with the ball and, um, you know, then with the likes of Sophie and Susie up top with the bat, you know, I think we can make a bit of inroads, especially in T20 cricket. So uh, I think there's a lot to be excited for for the Commonwealth Games. When you saw our game uh, during the World Cup, I would imagine that you analysed us every time, um, you know, well, you played against us, Australia played against us and played very well against us, my at the Basin Reserve. Uh, what, are you, what are the areas specifically do you think we need to focus on pretty quickly to, you know, to improve our performance? Yeah, look, having a chat to Simon is a really good question, is that, um, you know, obviously being with the Australian team, I feel like New Zealand... Um, you know, we're always, and, and you have to against Australia, but we're, we're chasing big wickets and, and always looking for that. And, and I just feel like if you can build pressure for longer amounts of time, um, then Australia, like any team, can crack under that pressure. So, you know, for me, it's about doing what I think New Zealand do well, but just for longer periods of time. Sophie Devine, a great example, an amazing outswing bowler. And if she can stick to that and do that for longer periods of time, then, you know, I think anyone cracks under pressure. So, you know, that's one thing that I would really like to bring to this team is that they've got those skills and they don't have to go chasing, you know, big wickets or all the wins all the time. Building pressure is, is always going to, you know, be effective in any game of cricket. In terms of the rest of the bowling side of things, uh, without experienced spinners um, going into this as such, apart from Mealy Kerr, you obviously have to put her into that as a yeah. world-class all-rounder leg spin bowler, but aside from that, the spinning talent, uh, when you, you leave out the likes of uh, Kasparik and, of course, Mackay. Yeah, well, I was really excited yesterday um, with with Fran. Um, Paul Wiseman was here doing some work with her, and... Um, you know, she, she looked great yesterday. So I think a young left-arm orthodox, um, you know, I think I'd be getting her in, you know, pretty quickly and, and you know, helping her along the way. And, and I know it's tough that learning international cricket while playing it, but, 
Uh, she seems to have a good head on her shoulders. So for me, uh, she's won. Nancy Patel bowled particularly well yesterday, as did Eden, who's um, you know a little pocket rocket from what I've seen. So yeah, I think the three that have been selected, um, you know, are, are going to perform well for us. Uh, the other aspect of it uh, as well, Ben, in terms of your uh, coaching structure as such, have you been in a position where you can appoint assistant coaches as yet or who will you be taking with you to the Commonwealth Games? Yeah, so for the Commonwealth Games, that's it. So Sarah McGlashan and, and Bob will be along with me. But, um, you know, after that, yeah, we're definitely, you know, I've been told that, um, you know, we can look to appoint, you know, longer-term assistant coaches. So, um, yeah, that is something that I will be a part of, uh, you know, after the Commonwealth Games. So, Bob uh, being Bob Carter, of course. Okay, so we look at um, uh, the format for the Commonwealth Games, T20 format. Uh, tell us a wee bit about uh, how we're positioned there. Uh, look, I think, again, like I said before, I think we've got across the board, you know, people that are going to bowl well in, in all the phases. And then obviously, I think, you know, actually in terms of, you know, world-class teams up front with our batting, you know, I think we're as good as any. So, um, you know, if we can make strong runs with the with the bat, um, I think we can put a bit of a defensive plan in with the ball a little bit more. And, you know, I'm confident that, that I can help with that and, and that we can go a long way. What's the format, Ben? Um, is it round robin or is it uh, all in one, play everybody? How does it work compared to, say, the Cricket World Cup? No, just three games. Three, uh, yeah, so around robin we play three matches and then... Um, you know, semis in a final. So it's pretty quick over in, obviously, in 10 days. Um, so, you know, in and out. But, um, yeah, three games and then and then a semi in a final. OK, and then, of course, what, to the West Indies for a, a decent tour? Yeah, so a few girls will, will hang around for the 100 uh, and then the rest of the squad will, will come back and um, off to the West Indies on the 10th of September. So three one-dayers and, and three T20s then, so... Um, you know, that, that'll give us another really good look at, at the squad and then obviously Bangladesh after that and then, you know, heading towards the T20 World Cup next year in South Africa. And added to that, I, I read a, um, where the, the uh, ICC are particularly starting to focus on a, on a world competition outside the World Cup. Is that right, with New Zealand involved in that? Uh, and that's uh, 50 over cricket? Uh, mate, I'll be honest, I, I haven't been that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure... Probably still not going to get across, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just thought that I, I think we're in a group of uh, three other sides, and there's two or three groups going to play and then play off in a, in a subsidiary tournament prior okay. to the yeah, World Cup. But anyway, is, uh, hey, that, yeah. 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 There we go. Okay. Um, well, Leo, I know you're off to an, uh, got to go to another meeting, so we do thank you for your time this morning. Uh, all we can do is uh, wish you all the best uh, in your new role. Uh, exciting new role, and uh, as you can probably tell, there's a lot of feeling about women's cricket in this country, so it's it's a pretty yeah. important role to us. So uh, good luck with that. Thank you very much. Really excited to be here. Thank you. Good on you. That's Ben Sawyer, folks, who is the new uh, head coach for the White Ferns, and, of course, uh, that uh, next mission for them is the Commonwealth Games. They're in a camp at the moment at the Bay Oval, um, and announcing there that Sarah McGlashan and Bob Carter um, will be uh, the assistant coaches going forward uh, to the Commonwealth Games and they have not been able to appoint at this stage uh, assistants uh, to work under uh, Ben Sawyer, which um, I suppose is another bit of a head-scratcher. I've hoped I've asked uh, pretty much all the questions that you people have wanted me to ask over that period of time. I was quite honest, wasn't he? He said 
really nothing to do with the selection of uh, either the uh, rostered players or the squad itself. So interesting indeed that um, I won't say he's flying blind. Um, he has some knowledge of it, but he will just be, I guess, a little bit like Wayne Smith, uh, meeting a lot of these players, particularly the new ones, for the first time. Uh, interesting as well, I, I wouldn't imagine for one second um, he will be discarding uh, the likes of, of Frankie Mackay, um, of Leah Tahuhu, of uh, Lee Kasparik. I wouldn't imagine he has totally discarded them off uh, his thoughts at all because if it doesn't go well with these new caps and they don't make uh, early strides into looking confident at that level, uh, it's his job. Uh, I know what I'd be wanting if, uh, if I was coming into a head coaching job. I'd be wanting uh, every asset I could to work in my favour. Um, so Mark's come in and said, why is Bob Carter going? Is he going to learn how to coach? Uh, that's an interesting one, Mark. Quite a pointed one. But I, I, I do get the message behind it. I, I kind of thought when he resigned as coach, head coach, straight away after the World Cup, didn't muck around, went straight back into high performance. Why, why would he go back as an assistant coach to the Commonwealth Games? I mean, is it to ease Ben Sawyer into his role? No, I don't think he needs easing into his role. I mean, he eased into his role by being established with the Australian women's cricket team. The Australian women's cricket team, which I've said before, I regard it as one of the most professional and complete outfits I've ever seen at a world tournament because they had every base covered. Ben Sawyer was part of the coaching setup that made sure that was the case. Um, so whether he's absolutely requested uh, Bob Carter be there, I'd be surprised as to the reasons why he's going to be there because I don't understand it. I mean, if I'm walking into a job, I also really do not want uh, the guy who's just failed in that job sitting looking over my shoulder. Think, am, I, am I wrong here? Does it, does it just not seem a little bit weird once you... Once you're out, you're out, aren't you? And once you resign, you resign. Once you walk away, you've walked away. The Commonwealth Games is a hugely important tournament because the reason why it's important is because they have introduced it. This is the first time it's ever been played for by women. A T20 common, uh, Commonwealth Games gold medal up for grabs. And I, I just, yeah, um, I'm clutching at straws a wee bit here, so I guess it's time that we took a break and I at least take stock over what's going on here. It's 11.16. Polaris, New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side -side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, uh, and it is coming up 11.22 here on SENZ. Neville's called in on the back of the Ben Sawyer interview. Neville from Dunedin, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Ian. I'm not going to talk about golf, but to agree with your thoughts about the women's cricket team. Um, you, you, you tend to um, talk common sense, and I feel you should be involved in New Zealand cricket in some <laughs> form when it comes to selection and things like that. Well, You've heard that expression, a cold day in hell? That'll be about it, mate. Yep. We're not 
<laughs> uh, when, when, when I'm involved, I think you're fine, but never mind. Uh, I've had a good relationship with New Zealand cricket over the years. Um, you know, lucky enough to yeah. be um, to played for them, to, to commentate on their teams yeah. and that over the years. And I know a lot of them very well, yeah. and uh, I know uh, from predominantly uh, they're in it for the right reasons and they make some very good decisions. But uh, every now and then, yeah. as a journalist, and that's yeah. what I am now, you just got to question the odd one. And Neville, I question Bob Carter still being around the team. Yeah. The other one I want to question and get your thoughts on, it frustrates me that we continually leave out our number one bowler. In India, we had the Indians on the raft a couple of times. I think it was five to 63 in one innings. And unfortunately, we didn't have Neil Wagner there to come on and do something different. And we had the same problem in this test in England. Um, Ada Patel should never have been there. Um, Wagner's average, his wicket-taking in the last two or three years has been number one. And in my humble opinion, at the moment, he should be the first bowler picked. Look, I think he will be picked. Yeah, Neville, I, here's the thing. I, I think you're right. I, I, I think that um, uh, they didn't quite know um, the state of the pitch at Lords. I think they thought it would probably pan out and try. That's why they batted first. When you bat first, you usually try to, you're trying to bring into the fact that, um, you know, you, you want to be bowling last and you want to be bowling last with a spinner uh, because you, you kind of think the pitch will go into its fourth or f- fourth afternoon, fifth day when a spinner would take effect on a on a wearing surface. Of course, you have to to do that to justify that. You have to score the more than 136 in your first innings because after that uh, you're pushing it uphill. The bowlers got them out of it in the first innings, couldn't get them out of it in the second innings. Uh, whether you uh, make uh, Ajaz Patel accountable for that, I do not know, but I suspect that they will. Uh, and I suspect that Neil, your friend Neil Wagner will be playing in the next Test match at yeah. Trent Bridge in uh, two or three days' time, uh, along with uh, Bolt, Southey, uh, and uh, yeah. and Jameson, who has much much improved, I thought, in the last Test. Yeah, that's right. But you can't blame Patel. You blame the selection. Uh, as simple as that. I remember when you were playing... And they used to always talk about, oh, should we play a spinner? And quite often the thing would come out, just play your best five bowlers. <laughs> and yeah. that's it. Um, well, that's right. Our, our era did not much to develop spin bowlers, although we had two very, very good spin bowlers. And uh, John Bracewell yeah. and Stephen Bock. And, oh. um, you know, they should they should yeah. uh, have played more cricket for us, particularly at home. But we found this recipe yeah. where our pitches um, were, were green, low and slow. And by and large, uh, that suited our our seam bowling attack, our swing bowling attack. So, and it worked. So, yeah. of course, you don't change a winning combination. Yeah. But when we went overseas, we relied on those guys, particularly in the subcontinent. So, yeah, uh, you know, you make a good point, Neville. You make some very good points, yeah. in fact. Yeah, I hope they learn their lesson and, and pick Wagner every jolly time. Okay. And just before I let you go, just before I let you go, what do you think of Dustin Johnson now? Has your opinion of Dustin Johnson changed? <laughs> That's a real good one. Um, I haven't read the latest news release. I was going to read it um, shortly. Oh, well, yes and no. He's 38, and um, he probably, I don't know, he's taking the money and running, I suppose. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to know what, yeah. to, what to say.
I don't think well, this I, uh, format will work. I don't think well, the media only, covering it. I, 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 I tell you what, it's not going to continue to work if Greg Norman continues to smash uh, people who have stayed with convention continues to have a go at the likes of the great Jack Nicholas and some of the players on the tour because they don't want to go. I mean, this is a choice. And he should leave those people alone that are wanting to stay on the PGA. So from my point of view, Greg Norman is not doing this any favours whatsoever, although he will think he is. He's that kind of a bloke. But when you start slating the likes of Jack Nicholas, etc., Neville, uh, you lose me. And uh, what I also think about here, which is quite interesting, uh, as these guys have prepared to give away uh, all these uh, major championships. So, Neville, thank you very much for your call this morning. So we've got to, we've got to move on because uh, we've got some interesting stuff from Stacey Jones uh, yesterday uh, when he was interviewed on uh, the situation at the Warriors. And uh, first of all, this is what he had to say. It all happened really quickly. Um, look, not an ideal situation, uh, but uh, Mark and Cameron came to me uh, last night and said uh, this could be happening. We need to meet with with Brownie first. Um, but would you be uh, available to, to take over? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And that's not an ideal situation for me. Um, all the team that were in this this position. Um, but uh, yeah, I accepted uh, the role, and I know I've got good support from Justin Morgan and Slade Griffin, the other coaches, and also from the rest of the staff and. Had a good meeting with our leadership um, group this morning, and, and obviously they're they're disappointed with where we're at, um, but they're they're really supportive of of me in this in this role. Have you spoken with Nathan Brown yet? Yep, I have. Yeah, he, he's been wonderful, Brownie. Um, he he came in this morning, and um, actually he, he didn't want to leave. Like he was so excited, he was still talking footy uh, to me and and the other coaches, and he, he was so supportive of, of me in, in this position. Um, obviously, he's uh, uh, disappointed that this is the way it's panned out for him, um, but he's been he's been wonderful through this, this small period of, of transition. Really hard to say no to a role like this, um, Stacey, knowing your coaching aspirations. It is a bit of a hospital pass. What assurances have you got from the club around how long you've got the role for? Like, how much rope are they going to give you in this particular role? Oh, oh look, I mean, it's in the interim role um, for now. Um, the club have been open and they're, they're looking for the right person um, to take over. And uh, wherever that person might be, they'll, they'll do their due diligence. And I understand that. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've always wanted to, to coach, um, whether it be assistant coach or, you know, I coach 20s or reserve grade. I, I Certainly didn't have massive aspirations to be an NRL coach, and it's come in this situation, which is not ideal. But you know, I'm going to give it my best shot, and I, I totally know that the club will, will find the right person um, to, to lead this club in, in the future. And you'd like that person to be you? You said you don't have higher aspirations, but you've got I'll, the job now. No, look, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. But I know the club will, will, will certainly be looking for that right, that right person. Um, and there's plenty of coaches out there. Uh, I understand the situation we're in. Um, but right now, I'm just focused on trying to get um, our season back on track with the, with the rest of the group. Yeah, interesting thoughts there. A number of questions fired at uh, 
Stacey Jones about the coaching situation and how he felt about it going forward. Didn't rule out the fact that um, he might not want it uh, longer term. And, of course, the results in the latter half of the season will be very much um, a factor in that. Uh, but he was also asked uh, by Dave Riccio of the Daily Telegraph uh, about Sean Johnson. You said you want to implement change as soon as this weekend. Uh, what team changes can you make to change what has been happening on the field uh, this weekend? And will you be sticking with Sean Johnson? Um, our, our team will come out this afternoon. Um, and we've got a 22-man squad. I've, I've said that to the group uh, this morning. Um, at this stage, I'll sit down with the other coaches. Uh, yes, I know Sean um, um, is under pressure. Um, his performance as a knee will be the first to put his hand up that hasn't been uh, where he needs to be. Um, I'll have a good think about it with the other coaches tomorrow. And, you know, we at the minute, I'm thinking we just need to keep things a little bit stable and, and Sean will, will be, you know, um, we'll, we'll talk to Sean where he's at. So at this stage, we're, we're a little bit undecided, but um, I'll have a clear idea uh, tomorrow. Yes, well, there you go. Uh, Stacey Jones with his new role and uh, approached by Mark Robinson, Cameron George, uh, to go in and, and help out. Of course, being uh, the warrior that he is, the warrior that he has been, uh, he's never going to say no to try and get them uh, back on the right track as he's that kind of a bloke. So uh, I wish him all the best. Um, that first uh, squad of 22, and um, I would imagine he would spend quite a lot of time with Sean Johnson uh, over the next 48 hours because uh, that is the key to getting him wanting to be out there, him wanting to make tackles, him wanting to run the ball at the line, just as Stacey Jones had to do himself way, way back uh, when he became an icon of the club. So uh, watch the space on that. And as usual, we'll be one of the most watched teams coming up this weekend, despite Super Rugby semi-finals, etc. Uh, a lot of your eyes, just judging by your reactions uh, on the phone line and the text lines here, into uh, our station you're really passionate about the whole deal and uh, we appreciate that as much as anybody else we also appreciate your participation in Stump Smithy uh, 0800 150 811 $50 worth of uh, TAB bonus bet vouchers up for grabs as well as um, your opportunity to win some sleep drops today so wish you all the very best with that time to light up the lines 0800 150 811 Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, well, it's that time of morning, isn't it, Smithy? Pat up, grab your bat. It's stumped on SNZ mornings with the great Ian Smith. Uh, up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet plus some sleep drops. Daytime revive. Try New Zealand sleep drops for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed uh, and check out sleepdrops.co.nz. Smithy, first at the crease, great friend of the show, uh, Ed from Tolaga Bay, who I believe is not in Tolaga Bay right now. Come in, Ed. Hey, good morning. Where are you, Ed? Morning, guys. Hey, I'm good. And I found out who your source was. <laughs> what source? He's my good friend. He's my good friend I drink with when I come to Auckland at the Thoroughbred Pub in Takanui. <laughs> wow. Now, there's a pub I haven't been to. Eh? There's a pub, the Thoroughbred yeah. in Takanui. And, of course, yeah. we found out about your, your history in grassroots rugby that you didn't know that we knew, right? 
that's right. And then I was going, what? And then I met my mate and we'd been having a few beers and that's how it flows. <laughs> well, you just there's no hiding when you're great like you, Ed. There's, you cannot hide greatness for any period of time. Oh, Promise you there. Cool one. Let's... Let's say Ed, Ed, let's see how good you are this morning on the stump smithy because there's uh, fifty bucks worth of TAB vouchers up for grabs. There's also, of course, oh. the sleep drops, which you might you probably won't need after a session in the pub at Takanini. But here's the thing: um, <laughs> we will now put forward. We will now put forward uh, the categories, and you can choose one. Good luck. Yeah, Thank man. You. The truth always comes out in the wash. I love this. I love this. All right, the topics for you today, Ed, are. Cricket, rugby league, and golf. Take your pick. Okay, let's go rugby league. <laughs> nice, here we go. First question for you, Ed. This, this is gonna, I yeah. think these are all, uh, yeah, they're all Warriors questions. Uh, how topical. Uh, the Auckland Warriors entered the NRL in 1995. Uh, with Ocker John Money as head coach, he was sacked mid-season 1997 with a 50% win-loss record. Who replaced him in the role? Who was their second coach? Was it Daniel Anderson? One of the worst things I have ever seen ah! done on a cricket field. So what are you, mate? <laughs> so first one was John Money, yeah? Yep. Second coach, not Daniel Anderson. Uh, the second, no. Um, oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, no, I, I, I can't think of anyone. I was gonna go Daniel Anderson, but there's another Anderson. There's another Anderson. There's two Andersons have coached them, I'm sure, um, from Australia. Is it uh, not Dean Anderson or someone along that, those lines? No. Do you have an answer for me? No. That's it, Dean Anderson. <laughs> One of the worst things I have ever seen done <laughs> oh, on a cricket field. Uh, yes, you are still alive, Ed. No, the answer is, and he was on the station yesterday on the run home, Frank Endicott. Oh, no. Oh, wow. No. Frank yeah, there's oh. a blast from the past. Love Frank Endicott. Okay, second question for you, Ed. Including club legend Stacey Jones... And as Brian has put here, can the real SJ please stand up? How many coaches have the Warriors had through their 27 seasons? Including Stacey. Including Stacey. Was that 14? That's not a couple of chips down the wicket. No, 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 Ed, come on. Ed, you've been doing your reading, mate. Boys. (laughs) Is that right? Was it 14? Bro, stop gloating. Yes, it was 14. <laughs> okay, next one, next one. All right, this, all on the line, mate. All online, chips on the table. Last question. <sighs> How many Kiwis have had a go at head coaching the Warriors? Um, Tony Kemp, Mark Graham, um, um, uh, two. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. So you got three there. You don't actually have to name them all. We just need a number here. Smithy, over to you. Over to you. 
Five. You got it. Straight out, five. One of the worst things I've ever done on a cricket field. Close, Smithy. Uh, the, the correct answer is seven. Endicott, Graham, Kemp, McLenahan, Ido, Cooney, and now Stacey Jones. God. <laughs> good on you, Ed. You're a winner, boy. You stay on the line, and uh, you're good friend. Brian will get your details from you. He's just waiting to speak to you, so uh, get all those details. And we'll get those prizes well, well, to you quick, smart boy. Don't be a stranger. Uh, Don't be a stranger, I, Ed. I can't, I can't wait to speak to my source as soon as I get to the sucker and then he popped out. <laughs> <laughs> you took that. And give, him, and give him our regards, mate. Thank you very much for taking part. Um, I tell my, he's a good friend of the show. Good on you, mate. Okay, well, good on you, Ed. Uh, we'll, we'll hear from you next time, and, uh, yeah, uh, uh, we'll take a short break after that. Beaten by Ed. Beaten by Ed at the post. Uh, and when we come back, we'll have, uh, man, there's some texts come in as well before we get across to uh, Sam Hewitt, of course, who is uh, filling in for staff this week. New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Not sure if you guys and ladies at home watch uh, Hoopheads or not, but the Justin Nelson's on Hoopheads. He's one of the co-hosts. And every now and then he cuts loose. So, of course, Justin was a general manager, former general manager of the NZNBL. Uh, he's now a host on the show, works, I think, for Sky Television as well. And um, apparently he's had enough, uh, Logan. He's had enough of something. What is it? Oh, this is great. I'm just going to play this. Uh, this is my favourite segment from Hoopheads. It's called I'm Not Buying That Crap Anymore. It is insane. Have a look at this. You can try and sell it, but Justin Nelson's not buying it. Got a nice little grin on his face sitting next to me. Well, I'll tell you what I'm not buying, and this is not going to go down too well with some people in the television industry, but the sales NBL, it just cannot get on the news. I mean, we saw one of the biggest dunks I've seen in my time in this country uh, yesterday. It just doesn't even get a mention on the news. Show it. It's unbelievable. What Chris Johnson did yesterday was unbelievable. Case, you were right there with me. Oh, How does chair. that not get on the TV news? What is going Some of the rubbish that they do show, <laughs> why is that not getting up and being seen by everyone across this country? Oh, this is an issue that New Zealand media has had with basketball for a long it's time. It's ridiculous. If Stephen Adams didn't do it, then... <laughs> and, and a Stephen Adams three points, four rebounds game will lead the basketball section of the Sporting News and get a, a, a monstrous dunk. They should be filling stadiums. Can't get a run. And dare I say, I, I want to be just, on other, there'll be some people that have a go at me. In a certain sport, if someone can't tie up their left shoelace, that is front page news. Mm. That dunk yesterday should have been absolutely on repeat. Am I wrong? You're absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, counterpoint? No counterpoint this week. You are 100% right on this one. Put some highlights on TV. Come on, people. I'm not buying that crap anymore. I'm not buying it either, mate. Doesn't sound like you are, and you're right. We should be seeing some highlights of the NBL on the network news, but uh, I don't think we are, and um, I'm not sure why not, really, because um, it's a seriously good competition. Some seriously good texts have come in this morning. Uh, in reaction to our very quick interview that we had uh, with Ben Sawyer, where it was revealed that Bob Carter, having resigned as the coach, uh, is now back as an assistant coach to go to the Commonwealth Games. 
Uh, what the hell New Zealand cricket doing? Does the new coach not get to choose his deputy, Smithy? Can you see if you can get hold of the limp-wristed CEO? Let's hear it from the horse's mouth, disgruntled fan. That's Phil Ansett. Bob Carter, well and truly on the gravy train, one of the worst-performed coaches in New Zealand cr- history, goes straight into a high-performance role with New Zealand cricket and now gets on a junket to the Commonwealth Games. The players have been made accountable through the recent clean-out. What about the guy who was driving the bus for the last three years? It is mind-boggling, uh, that from uh, Dean. Uh, <clears throat> surely the incoming women's cricket coach would back himself to get the best out of Tahuhu and Mackay and be able to approve them. Mm. I would imagine that would be the case. Uh, and don't write them off. Don't write them off because uh, they're way too experienced and they're not well past the use-by date by any stretch of the imagination. Lee Casper is another one there. And I'll tell you something else. If you could get Leah to hoo-hoo to be keen, um, <clears throat> what about her wife, um, Amy Satterthwaite? Have players in the past not come out of retirement when required? Don't write that one off either. If the new coach is... Uh, yeah, if the new coach is uh, worth his salt, I'd be leaving the door open on Amy Satterthwaite as well. Uh, Smithy, the Warriors' defensive coach, is the coach of the women's Kiwis. God help them. Justin Morgan, go coach an Aussie team. That's from Mark. Uh, the Warriors just kempied Stacey. Uh, you lot should get a seat <coughs> warm for him at SENZ because he won't be coaching next season. Uh, that from Dale. <coughs> uh, from uh, Jared. Uh, on what dizzying, uh, what a dizzying debacle with the Warriors at the moment. You know, in life, until you can admit it, you have a problem. You won't address the issue. And for management to say the culture is fine, and please, the fans are not fools. Honesty is key going forward for this club. I feel for Stacey, but good luck as the year is done. Maybe a campaign throughout New Zealand to find keen Warriors. Do we want to rely on Australia, Smithy? Uh, that's Jared. Yeah, well, I understand there's a lot of very good talent around. The scouts come over here on a regular basis. But we lose them. We lose them real quick. And maybe uh, we go back to finding a youth team. Uh, yes, some sort of youth warriors feeding system. But there's no guarantee because, of course, uh, if you play rugby league as a kid, the chances that you'll get to the uh, NBA, uh, not the NBA, uh, sorry, the NRL, are absolutely remote. They're completely and utterly remote, a lot less than you would believe. And just finally, um, uh, we had a very emotive um, couple of texts come in uh, about the golf split. Um, particularly about the Saudi money being involved, the government Saudi money. So Saudi money is bad, but American money is good. What a pathetic stance. Didn't hear people moaning when uh, Barack Obama bombed 17 sovereign nations with a drone strikes, killing over 10,000 people. Uh, that from Matt. That is a, an issue, a really, really deep issue. Um, Pete says, uh, me thinks the senior players might have been too honest in their appraisals, and that is what's uh, coming out from Pete about the white ferns as well. It is 11.51, just time to talk to Sam Hewitt before midday. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.